weekend. That's my day with God. Thank you for your encouragement, your revelation, your understanding, and your power over these meet over this meeting and over my words. So I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So uh, I thought I'd talk a little bit today about the art of meditation, amen, the art of meditation, so we can all get an understanding of what the Word says when it tells you to meditate in the things of God day and night. And uh, uh, it's, it's impossible to have much faith in God if you don't do this, if you don't make Him your meditation, uh, if you don't take up to uh, be a hearer and doer of the word. Uh, the best way to be able to do the word is to meditate on it, to stop and think and ponder so that uh, you will have the strength and the courage and the resolve uh, to step into that place of faith and go forward uh, knowing that God is the one who you are depending upon and he's answering your prayers. Um, we're going to have to guard against empty confessions and faithless confessions because confession is such a part of the everyday knowledge. You know, when I say everyday knowledge, I mean sinners know the power of the spoken word, the power of meditation, the power of all of these things. Uh, they don't have the power that we have. We have the definitive and the final power working in us. Amen. We have the power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. That same spirit quickens your mortal body right where you are right now. It makes it alive. So you are alive in Christ in the invincible power that conquered death, hell, and the grave. And so if that is the power that Christians operate in, then the power of the world is never stronger than what we have. So never get intimidated and afraid to step into a situation in faith and confront what's already there with the word of God. Uh, you may look like David going after Goliath when it starts, but in the end you'll have his head, amen, in your hands instead of the reverse. And so we have to understand what power we're dealing in, but it's so important to uh, make that power real through meditation amen so uh, when god when god desires change he always engages with his word amen when he wants change he always engages with his word so that means that when we want change we have to engage with god and his word amen he and his word are one in genesis 1 you see how the word works and God said, let there be, and there was. Everything that God says is meant to be revealed. It's meant to be seen at some point. In other words, when God says something, it will become visible at some point. And that goes for things in your life, things in my life, uh, things in the lives of, of all other beings. Uh, it, it, is, it is already there in God's word. So whenever God speaks something, his intent is for it to be revealed. Other than that, it's locked up inside of glory and inside of God, right? But it's there in some form because God is all-powerful. He's omniscient and he's omnipotent, so he contains everything within himself. 
And so his intent when he speaks his word is that that word would be seen. It would be revealed. It would what we call manifest. It would come into uh, um, this normal world, this, this temporal uh, zone that we live in. It would come into that if it's spoken into that. Got me? So it manifests in the place where it's spoken. So God's intent is always, see, there's a mind concept behind all words. There is a mental concept or a thought pattern or a mind concept behind all words. You ever say something you wish you hadn't said and then you say, I was just joking. That's not true. You got me. You do that to get yourself off the hook of having to be responsible for the intent of it. Okay. And so intent is much more powerful than the words that are used. See, I can say something to somebody in a joking manner and they find it funny and my intent was to have a laugh and have them share in it and it's all good. But if I say something it's not funny to them and they're offended, then it's just boom. You got me? And so my intent can be pure or my intent can be gray or not so sure. But after it's spoken and it gets out there, the final outcome is, is what really is decided upon. Now, there are times where I can say thing, things with a mean or an evil intent or intent to wound or to hurt or something like that. And it can be perceived that way. You got me? So the intent overrides the words that are spoken. So the spirit behind something is much more powerful than what happened. For instance, if, if God forbid somebody kills somebody and their intent was not to do that, the, the, the law provides for different levels of responsibility on your part as far as intent is concerned. And it can be ruled accidental. It can be ruled justifiable because you were defending yourself and so forth and so on. It can be ruled in a lot of different ways. But the person's still dead. You got me? And so when you talk about words, you have to understand that your intent behind the words is much more important than the words you speak. There are some people who have gotten... uh, excellent results from God in different areas of their life with one scripture because their intent was to get relief and and they went to God with the best they had and so God honored their intent not so much exactly what they said you got me because we're limited in our knowledge and what we know and so God wants us to be people who have a a solid relationship with him based on our understanding, our mutual understanding of what we desire, what we intend, and what God speaks in his word and what he intends. And the only way that's accomplished is through meditation. See, we've got to come into one mind with God. And so meditation more than anything brings us into one mind with God. There are scriptures that you can read, like when Paul says that the women should keep silent in the church. And so people have taken that to mean everything from women can't ever talk to their husbands about God to um, uh, women can't preach. 
all kinds of things, but if you go to the original intent, you'll get a better understanding of what he meant when he said that, amen, knowing that they ain't going to shut up. Have you ever seen anybody say, you didn't say anything that crazy? Oh, now them sisters ain't going to show up, shut up. You mean that's why they dragged the husband to the church? Huh? Look at, I told you. Or you get the elbow in the ribs and then the men start sitting on their side and the women sit on the other side. <laughs> they got tired of the elbow in the ribs. See, there's all kinds of, and Paul was responding to a problem they were having in a particular congregation. You understand what I'm saying? And speaking to those things. And so you can, you can but, but if you look at the totality of scripture, there's nothing wrong with women preaching sons and daughters shall absolutely and so if you look at the totality of the evidence you can make a better judgment about what god meant but you do that through meditation you don't just read those words and uh, presume something and run off with it and so that's where the mistake is made many times is where people will read a scripture presume they understand it and run off and start preaching it and don't tell me that ain't common because that happens a lot. And so what God wants us to do, he wants to put the brakes on us and bring us to a place of meditation where we can get full understanding of what his intent is and what he is saying and what his words, you know, actually mean. The other thing that people will go in when meditation, so meditation really implies that you stop and ponder one of the requirements you must stop and ponder what you have read the other thing is meditation really does require a pure heart you have to have a heart like god if you're going to get god results out of it amen there are many people that go into the word for uh, what they call isogesis and that is when you uh, uh, jesus is to get the g-e-s-i-s means to study and get understanding from so if you're an iso jesus you you study from your own mind to get the meaning you want out of it so say for instance a husband and wife have a dispute about something and she wants to prove that he's wrong well that's iso jesus because she's going in there with her mind made up she looks for a scripture i'm gonna throw this scripture at this brother when he come home he think he will more about the word not do i'm gonna get him the proper way to do it is exegesis. And that what, that what that does is that allows your pure heart to seek what God had in mind when he wrote it. And then you get your answer there. Don't go in there looking for trouble for somebody because you will always find trouble for yourself. You got me? And so, <laughs> so the Bible is not to straighten people out because that intent is not godly. Amen. The Bible is there to bring peace, bring understanding, and bring answers. And so the, the primary reason that we go into the Word is to help us. Amen. God can't help your brother or sister if they ain't reading the Word. But he can help you a lot if you're in the Word. And so God, when he desires change in the earth, he engages with the word, and he expects us to do the same thing too. Amen. So Genesis 1.1 tells us that uh, God, God said, let there be, and there was, every single time. So his word never failed. 
Amen. His word never fails. Everything God uh, says is meant to manifest or be seen once he speaks it. Amen. The Bible is his spoken word, so he expects everything in here to happen. Got me? In Genesis 2 and verse 7, we see a picture of, of how man is made uh, so we can understand the purpose of meditation. Amen. It said uh, God formed Adam from the dust of the earth. You know the story. He breathed the breath of life into his nostrils and the man became a living soul. The King James says, or living being. Amen. Uh, I like living soul because it tells you where the life went. Amen. There's a connection between spirit, soul, and body. And so God had a body there already. From the dust of the earth, he made a body, a physical tent. But that tent didn't do anything until God's breath came into it. And then soul life came into the man. Now, what does life do? It lives. <laughs> See, that was a freebie. Anybody who missed that one, come on now. Get with me. But life lives. But living things have to feed on something. So the human soul, if it's going to live, has to feed on something. Amen? And what does the soul feed on? Well, it feeds on information, for one thing. Your mind has to have input. Your eyes have to see something for your brain to tell it what it saw. Your ears have to hear something so that your brain can absorb what's spoken or what's heard or can distinguish sounds, attach meaning to them. All of those things, they, they you know, the, the, one of the first things I think uh, human beings start to associate is sound and sight to the outside world. So there, our souls are filled with sound and sight input when we're infants, really. Uh, babies kind of understand that, you know, it's, they get irritated by something and they make this noise. And then all of a sudden a human shows up. So <laughs> don't take them long. To put all that together. You understand what I'm saying? Because the life force in a human soul is, is hungry for it to be fed. So that life force gets fed certain information in certain ways. And sight, sound, and all those inputs that, that go into our brain and, and form what we call knowledge or learning are on all the time. They're on from the time of birth and even before then. A lot of people are hiding a lot of the fetal research that's being done, but they know now that babies feel pain. They know that they can, they need comfort in the womb, all those things. Um, and, and so there's a lot of knowledge about uh, the life of the human soul, whether we want to admit it or not. And so the human soul needs something to feed on at all times. And so meditation is a very common phenomenon. It is not hard. It's not, huh? Because the baby has to meditate on the fact, now wait a minute. When I don't make no noise, they ain't nowhere. 
when I make noise, they show up. Hmm. And they figure that out, that association out very quickly. And so we become cause and effect uh, motivated people when, you know, very early. So there becomes a relationship. That's how we start to relate to the outside world. Uh, sound input gives us information from the outside world. You know, if if they hear mom and dad come in the room, I don't care how quiet you are. If that baby decide he want to wake up, he, huh? Any parents with newborns, you done tried it. You put very. I put them. To, I put them down in their bed. Don't make no noise, huh? Some of them are are megaphone ears. Man, you breathe in that room. <laughs> Here you are. Come do something for me. You know. And so we are are creatures who are programmed to get information from the outer environment to please us. We want to be pleased. We want to be satisfied. We want to be cared for, taken care of. We want to be loved. And so most of our, all of our input really comes from the outside world. And then we process it internally in our souls. And we make decisions about how we respond to the outer environment. So meditation is a common thing. It is a very important common thing. When you're small, you don't have much control over what you hear, see, eat, whatever. But as you grow older, you start to select what you want, what you want to hear. You start to select what what uh, pleases you and what doesn't please you, you know. Uh, you see little things on Facebook where there's a little baby in the toddler seat. Been listening to the mothers. Thank God these mothers put worship music on. And then the baby gets to the part that's his jam. Well, he didn't get that from his own. He saw the mom do that. And it's, it's everybody's jam now. Huh? That's my song. Don't mess it up. And he ain't even nine months old back there in the they try to act like he figured that out by himself, you know. And so he doesn't have much choice about his input, so he has to listen to what the parents do. And you take them to church with you, and they still listen to worship music, but they get old enough to start picking, you know, the rap and all this kind of nonsense stuff. And then they get that, you know. And so when you have choice introduced where you can choose what it is that you desire to meditate on, that empowers you. Choice empowers. Lack of choice doesn't. Now, not people don't agree on when the age when, when choices are made, but they can be made very quickly and early in some situations, depending upon how that individual interprets what they hear. Well, how they interpret life experiences determines a lot on what choices they made. Not what they're exposed to necessarily, but how they interpret what they're exposed to. And how many of you know that the spirit of man is the candle of God and God can light that candle? That's how you have some really, really bright, godly, well-behaved kids sitting in a, in a house full of heathens. 
you know, they've been dodging bullets for, for 15 years of their young life, and they come out just loving God or loving people, not doing anything wrong, being very law-abiding. You can't say it's all environment, but it's how that's put together for them. And God can intervene sovereignly anytime he wants to. He can intervene because of prayer. So never quit praying for that person, you know, the rough end of your family, the outlaws you only let come over for about four hours on holidays. Got me? That's about all we can, you know, after that, everybody going to have to pull their gun out. But we can take about four hours, amen? And so uh, never stop praying for that. Because God can touch into the darkest situations and cause that person's meditation and what they desire to have input in their life can cause it to change dramatically. Amen. Very dramatically. And so God is able to do that. So when God breathed the breath of life into man, he became a living soul. And God began to put that soul life to the test. Amen. So soul life came first. Just like your children have no choice when they're babies, what their input is, well, Adam didn't either until God introduced choice. Ah. So it was all good up until that point, and he got an opportunity to see the good first, to give him a foundation. You got me? And so, and that's different from us because we come into the bad first. (laughs) And then we're looking for good. So, So God, in his wisdom, showed that Adam really did not have much of an advantage over us because he chose the bad in the land of good, and we chose the good in the land of bad. So choice really is left up to that individual and their will which way they choose. Some people will stick with the bad and go to hell. Some people will, in the midst of bad, see good and eventually choose it. Because nobody chooses God first time somebody witnesses to him. We all had our feelings hurt. Jesus was the best thing to happen to us. We went and told everybody and they said, What's wrong with you and turn into a Jesus freak? You got all religious. Oh, you ain't really changed. You just putting on, you know, that kind of stuff. And so, but eventually, God, through his dealing with the candle of man on the inside of man, can keep striking that match and light. <laughs> Every time you get in trouble, you think about them Christian people, and they keep bugging me about God. What is it to this God? And eventually, people will stop and meditate on what they've heard and and hopefully make the right decision back toward God. Amen. And so God had to give man choice, otherwise he would not have been made in God's image. God has choice, man has to have choice too. Even though it looked like a gamble from where the devil was standing. Huh? The devil said, ooh, he said he'd die. The devil didn't bank up on raising up. That's what he never banks on. When he starts trying to kill your finances, he don't bank on God raising up your money again. You understand? And taking it out of his, because he always thinks he's got it. He's got everything cooked, but he doesn't. 
And so when, when God begins to deal with us, he'll deal with us first in our souls. Amen. He will start to put your eyes on something different. He will cause your ears to hear something different. And he will cause your meditation to change because of his input in your situation. Understand this. The word of God is the most powerful force in the universe. So to use that means to give a definitive answer in every situation. It's going to win out over everything. Even though it may, when we first start speaking the word, how many of you felt that that word didn't go nowhere? And you're not sure you even believe it yourself, but you did it anyway because that was all, you know, the yellow tapes or whatever told you you were supposed to do. You spent a lot of time in doubt, a little bit of time in faith, but eventually you caught on that I can do this. I better do this. I can't go back to the way I used to think. And that's really how the meditation process proceeds with most people. And, and it's good because really what meditation, uh, the most important thing about it is that you, you pick the word of God and stay with it. You might drop it a little bit or get mad about it or think you've done enough and they got nothing back and all that kind of stuff. But at some point, you must come back and pick up that meditation and continue on in the word of God. That's why the Bible says if you continue in my word. Amen. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free and makes you my disciple. So it doesn't mean that you can't quit the word for a season, but if you pick it up and continue, you got me? Jesus said you're my disciple and he'll help you. You'll know the truth at some point. So uh, Psalm 119, uh, if you'll turn there, there's some really helpful things about meditating and meditating the word. Psalm 119, uh, start in verse 97. It says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. King James says, It is my meditation day and night. Your commands are always with me. Why? Because he meditates. He makes it a point to keep that in his mind. And so meditation really is a voluntary act up to a point. Now, you can voluntarily meditate on the word of God, but have different input coming into your soul at the same time. For instance, if you meditate on the fact that you are healed, if a symptom hits you, that's an opposite input that's coming into your soul. It's up to you to consider not one or the other. You have a choice. And so eventually people who are determined to get their healing, whether you're sold out on it or not, whether you're just trying it for the first time, or you, you know, you'll, you'll choose what you're going to meditate on. And so this is what the psalmist is talking about here. He said, I choose to meditate day and night on your word, on your law, on your precepts, whether you get negative input or not. Now, 
Negative input can be physical symptoms or it can be doubt that tells you it's not working. See, these little feelings that we have get interpreted by our souls to mean certain things. So, for instance, if, if you meditate on by your stripes, he's healing your soul, keeps saying it's taking too long. Why is it taking too long? In the background, you hear this fatigue thing, you know. You have to not consider many things. How you feel, what, what you just said, reg, how that registers in the, the physical, the uh, emotional impact it has on you. Sometimes you'll feel like your, your words are just falling to the ground. Huh? And, and it's not really being heard by whoever it's supposed to be. It's not working. Get that fatigue thing in you. If you're going to be successful at, at receiving what it is that the word says, you're going to have to bypass and consider not a multitude of fiery darts coming at you from different directions about what you just put out of your mouth. Huh? We are programmed as human beings. When we get negative feedback on what we say, to shut it down and not say it anymore. Huh? Because if you're a carnal person, you're a sinner, most of what you say is nonsense anyway. And you look to be correct. Sometimes you'll say things to people just to see what their reaction is before you make up your mind about what's in your mind. And so we are programmed. Amen. Well, you get like you know, it's like you go witness to somebody, and they cuss you out, and it's your spouse. The devil is dirty. Are you kidding me? That's the first joker he'll use. Amen. Hurt your feelings, so you got to make sure that you man up, a woman up, or whoever you are that day, huh? You up in that. And then you start to, to process what you're going to consider out of that big table of stuff that's set there before you. You've got to process what you're going to consider. Now let me tell you what's going to help you. If you start with the word and make up your mind, I don't care what gets thrown at me, I'm going to stay with this. If you make a vow between you and God... I'm going to stay with this no matter how they feel about it, no matter how I feel about it, no matter how long it takes. I'm going to stay with the word. And God help me to be sincere, powerful, honest, and zealous in it. There are things in the word that are a blessing to most people that make you scared. You think it's a punishment to you. Because of what the devil's done to that up there. That will make you scared of everything in that Bible. Well, I don't know if I want all that. <laughs> you create a new tongue for yourself out of fear. You understand what I'm saying? Because you, you don't know what to do with all of that right there. You know, I'll take some of that. That's usually what happens is that we don't let God be God. We'll take a portion. We take the portion we feel we can either bring to pass we can either handle or it won't wreck our lives too much to get involved in it. People are very cautious about how they step out into the Word. And so many people will stay in the shallows 
listen before jesus came into the disciples life they were very they were very happy playing around in the shallows getting getting fish when they could getting what they could when they could but they didn't want to launch out into the that's everybody you got me nobody wants to launch. jesus i love you so much i'll do anything for you then you realize what you say and you go You know, your soul comes back to your carnal self. You go, what? <laughs> then you start thinking of all the places you don't want to go and you start rattling it. But don't send me to that. And he said nothing about sending you nowhere. All he want to do is send you across the street to your neighbor. Huh? And you think you're going to have to go to Asia and ride a mule or something like that. Huh? That's crazy. So our souls are programmed to this natural realm. They are programmed to comfort here in this realm. If you, if you want to stay comfortable in this realm, <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't know how to tell you to do that, to be honest with you. Because uh, if, you, if you make this your harvest field and you've harvested everybody, you're going to move out anyway. So you might as well say, well, God, prepare me to go ye into all the whatever and preach for you or whatever I'm to do. But help me to receive your word, understand your word, and then meditate on it. Sometimes we'll say yes to God and just don't want to think about it anymore. You got me? But that word is, is made more real to you through meditation. So you embrace it through meditation. You'll be able to perform it through meditation, and you'll be, it will be more, um, you'll like it more, or it'll be more a part of you, or your expectation in it will grow through meditation. This is, it's something that helps us. It, it can be a little bit difficult at first, but meditation helps you to make the word friendly to you, make it a part of you. Amen. It's not so foreign anymore. And so the psalmist says, I love your law. I meditate in it day and night. That's, Psalm, uh, that's 97. says, your commands are always with, with me and makes me wiser than my enemies. So your first payoff on, on meditation is wisdom over every opposing force in your life. So when you want answers, you go to the word not to find a scripture to quote to the devil. Of course, I've done that until I could do better. You know what I'm saying? Because that rascal will make you meditate on it and believe it. You got me? But it makes you wiser than all enemies. I don't care who they are. Because an enemy of the word is on, a losing, on losing ground anyway. You got me? They'll, they'll never win. I never win. It says also, I have more insight or more wisdom than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. Huh? I have more wisdom than all my teachers because I meditate on your statutes. Now, it's not talking just about human teachers, but life situations. You'll get more wisdom out of your life situations if you'll take time out and meditate on what God says about it. 
not your little curiosities about it, but what God says about it. Amen. So it makes you wiser. Meditation will make you wiser than all of your teachers because you take it in and meditate on it. I have more understanding than the elders. How does that happen? Through obedience to what you meditate on. So the meditation helps you to incorporate it into your behavior. And you will be able to do behavior over and over and over again without fail because you meditate on the word of God. The best way to move out of a situation that you are in right now is to ask God for your answer according to his word and then meditate on that, feast on that. What will happen is God will, from one scripture that you meditate on, God will bring you to another scripture and another and another and another. That's the way it's supposed to work. So you're building knowledge and wisdom line upon line, precept upon precept. That comes through meditation. You got me? That's a description of how it happens in you. It's line upon, you know what a precept is? It's a nugget, it's a proverb or a nugget of information. A precept is a standard. It's a value. It's a, a concept of understanding. So a, a precept would be like do unto others as you would have them. You'll find that thread throughout the word of God. You know, you'll start meditating in one area and you'll sum it up that way you know with the golden rule to put god first and then love humanity the same second one is just as important and the word is summed up that way and so those precepts are the things that you want to keep in your mind so that you can incorporate them into your behavior and you can do them without fail says i have kept my feet from every evil path so that i might obey your word So the word of God, when you meditate on it, teaches you right from wrong. Your soul begins to trigger when you're stepping over the line. Your soul will begin to trigger when there's something you need to add to what you're already doing. Your soul will trigger those things through meditation. So he says, I have more understanding than the elders because I obey. So, so where your 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 parents or those older than you may have made mistakes you meditating on the law can give you wisdom above them because now you know how to obey and you can avoid the pitfalls and mistakes that's how the the um, latter house is greater or more powerful than the former one because they begin to meditate on the word of god amen teach your children how to take a scripture and study it for a few minutes just and and ask them sometime what what does that mean to you what did you get out of that you know instead of trying to correct them all the time fussing and fighting and all that time just sit down with the word sometimes you you know it's not that hard to do amen and god will move heaven and earth to get people to be obedient to him it's the power of the word uh it's it's uh, uh god will bring that word to life with his power so uh psalm 119 103 we'll go there he says how sweet are your words 
to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. So meditation on the word can cause love or hate to rise up in you. Now you might hate the word at first because it corrects you, but the Bible says eventually it will get sweet to you. Amen? Now how does that happen? God must have a way to convert our souls. Amen? From, from, from carnal loving and sin loving to now we're righteousness loving people. Amen? And we can love, the word will get sweet to us where it used to turn us off or, or make us bitter or make us uh, uh, faint or more want to, run a, want to run away from it. Now the word is able to make us a whole in every way. It's able to help us in such a way that uh, it's hard for us to escape the goodness that's in the word. See, when you're looking for goodness, turn to the word. Man. When you're looking for uh, possibilities in God, turn to the word. Amen? And understand the word. And let the word help you and let the word come into you in such a way that it leaves no doubt that God is helping you. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I'm going to take authority over something. Now, I take authority over confusion in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for helping us to get this and understand it, Lord. It's important for us to have this, Lord, and I thank you for it, Father. Thank you so much for giving us understanding in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. So, so then Psalm 119.97 tells us also that your testimonies are my meditation. Amen? So the testimonies of God, it's good to rehearse in your ears what God did for Abraham, what God did for Sarah, what God did for the children of Israel and parting the Red Sea, all of that stuff. It's good to understand that and, and to let that be your meditation. So when you have a situation, don't mince words with explaining to people how God did these things. Amen? You know, you can say things like, well, that reminds me of what the Bible says about how God solved this problem or how he solved that problem. See, that will come easy to you from your meditation. See, you don't have to make people take your advice. huh? You don't have to be speaking to them because you haven't experienced everything. You certainly haven't had, you know, good results with everything you've been through in life. And so you want to give them hope and an understanding of having a good result. Amen. And so if you'll do that and let his testimonies be your meditation. Amen. And, and speak up for God. Speak up and help people with your testimonies about his word. You're not bragging. You're just sharing what God can do and what you expect God will do in every single situation. But the psalmist says, your testimonies are my meditation day and night. Amen? You meditate on them all day long. In verse uh, Psalm 19, if you'll turn back there, I think we'll finish with 119. Psalm 19. It 
it starts out with a nice worship. Amen. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands or his handiwork. Day after day, they speak. They pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Now, how does that happen? How do the heavens declare the glory of God? Well, if you stare at it long enough, you'll meditate on (laughs) the same thing through meditation. It just brings you back to that. It says they have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes into all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bride. Now, you don't get this just making it up. Amen. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Verse 14, it says, may the words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So meditation, you want to be pleasing in the sight of the Lord or it'll tell on you. Eventually, what's in your mind and in your soul and in your heart will reveal itself. And so we have to judge everything that comes into our minds and our hearts against the word of God. So that's why the psalmist said, let it all be pleasing in your sight. And that's a good prayer to pray. You know, a lot of times we, we'll have some flip faith answer. Huh? Well, it's already pleasing because faith is, you know, quote all this little crazy stuff. You have to watch yourself when you start checking the word of God in your head because there's something crazier coming yet to be revealed. And so we have to stay away from, from that kind of stuff. You know, you start getting a little knowledge, a little this, and you'll start judging everything against that little nugget of revelation you got from the last half teaching you listened to. Amen. And so, amen, we have to be careful about that kind of stuff because you want to jump up and start correcting and checking everything that that comes across. So it's a pride thing, and so we, we have to watch that. So meditation, you need to know from these, from these psalms, you know, this is what we can gather. Meditation enhances your spiritual output. It always adds to your spiritual output. Meditation itself will do that. Meditation helps your spiritual digestion. Amen? So you'll be able to digest things spiritually through meditation. That's why the word, uh, one of the definitions for meditation means to chew 
I know when you chew your food, it goes down a whole lot easier than if you try to swallow it whole. Got me? That's even true for your pets. Dogs, they can just, they feed, they don't really chew too much. You know, they throw it down is what I, (laughs) that's what I tell Coco. I said, oh, just go ahead and throw it down. But that's the way they eat. Amen. Their their teeth are made to bypass, (laughs) basically, you know, throw it down. And they can digest it easily that way. But as humans, we're called to chew things. Amen. And then to feed on it, to savor it, huh? Is that one comedian, I forget his name. I ain't supposed to be looking at him, but anyway, he's funny. He channels her. He said, them Krispy Kremes, them things so good that you can, you can eat them and they don't, they don't even touch your teeth. You can, <laughs> they so good. They, 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 them things so like they, they don't even touch your teeth. And you smile. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that brother. Uh, yeah, right. I've been there, right? We all know. We know what that's about. We've all been there. Amen. But, <laughs> but it's better to savor. Amen. That's what meditation is for. That's why that word chew is there and mutter. So that you savor it, you keep it in your mouth a longer period of time. You got me? And so you kind of savor your food when you do that, you know, and, and make it last. And uh, people will tell you if you're trying to lose weight, to don't swallow it so fast. You need to take so many minutes to eat your meal and all that. And we throw it down anyway. So, but anyway, <laughs> we know what we're supposed to do. So spiritual digestion, amen. You digest it spiritually when you meditate it so you will absorb the truth of the word through meditation amen if if there's bones to spit out or i would say this i wouldn't say there's anything wasted in the word just some things you can't digest whole right now so you set them aside for another time when you're strong enough to digest them amen and so it's like the bible talks about the milk of the word and then the meat of the word there's some things that we just cannot digest whole for right there and get all of it and so that's a promise from god that there'll be more to that meal at a later time for you amen for those people who think they heard it all know it all seen it all you know that kind of <laughs> so you could i mean it's easy to get that in your head sometimes when you you know, you could be bored with yourself and think you know everything God knows. Yeah, it is. Amen. So we absorb the truth of the word and we, alo- we locate mysteries within. So there are mysteries in the word of God that you locate only through meditation. When you get the sense that where your ears shut down because the scripture is familiar to you, it's being brought back so you can meditate on it this time because see you'll do it over and over and over again and god keeps bringing it back remember this meal you said you didn't like it or you left it you left it partially eaten the last time it's time to finish it now amen praise god so that nothing's wasted remember the the disciples when they fed all those people and everybody was full and they took up the leftovers anyway why because nothing in that you know it's like this was a supernatural meal 
why would we leave the fragments on the floor? You understand what I'm saying? And in everything you eat is like that. Everything you possess is like that. It's come to you supernaturally from the hand of God. Why would you throw any of it away? Why would you waste it? For those of you who like throwing away what God provides, and I'm guilty. I don't like it. I have to do it sometimes. But boy, I don't. I'm for freezing everything. I freeze you if you stand still long enough. <laughs> huh? Because I don't like waste, because I know the hand of God has provided for it. It's just that I don't have the wisdom to manage it better yet, but I'm working on it. You understand? We're working on it. And so we have to understand that, that these things are precious because when, when the Bible said Jesus blessed it, that means you don't leave none of that. You got me? When he served the Last Supper, the Passover, he said, eat all of it whenever when god provided the first passover eat all of it find some neighbors to feed got me and so god means that it means everything that he provides must be consumed he doesn't want any of it left over you know i pity people who who reject things because they don't like it or it don't look right or whatever whatever i don't know I realized a long time ago everything God put in my hands was not for me. Huh? You know, it, that's just such a normal thing to think, you know. Uh, uh, if there's overflow, it's not to be wasted. Uh, whatever it is, you know, it's to be reserved and prayed over and god what is this for and who is this for and how do i distribute this this kind of stuff you know mothers are good at that they love understanding excess because the kids can use this so and so's kids can you're always in touch with somebody but if you're not a mother you have that desire and instinct to provide for others if you step out of you for a minute you got me just step out of yourself for a minute and you'll understand that you are blessed in order to be a blessing amen the blessing doesn't stop with what you can consume but it goes beyond that so you can be a blessing so uh, we locate the mysteries within the word through meditation meditation is vital for providing revelation so meditation brings revelation it's a vital force to bring revelation you know if you have them uh, kids who are a little spacey sometimes you know the ones get nervous about them snap out of it that kid <laughs> you know <laughs> give them something worthwhile meditating on give them something that's worth their meditation sometimes little boys if you give them a, a broken lawnmower if they're a little space cadet give them a broken lawnmower and tell them you can't tear it up you guys broke already see what you can do with it you understand what i'm saying because their mind is searching for something to feed it amen that soul life is searching for something to feed it and help it to make sense of things in their world meditation we find what's missing through meditation see if you get along with god and you or, or you know just walking around if you stay focused on god and on his word you'll find what's missing through meditation 
not through seeking what's in your little empty brain. Because the same nothing that was there the last time you checked is still there. <laughs> Unless you find something to fill it up. Uh-huh. You know how you tear up the house looking for something you misplaced? Quit doing it. Meditate on the fact that God is a God who keeps up with everything. God, you're the God of the lost and the found. I'm just asking you to lead it to me. You know, I got a couple of items out there that need to be returned. I'm expecting them to be returned. Uh He keeps up with everything. I remember uh, Bridget went to, where was she when she saw her wedding dress? Way close to the West Close in Las Vegas. She was in a a thrift store in Las Vegas and saw, saw her wedding dress. It was handmade, so it wasn't like somebody else's wedding dress. It could have been, you got me? But it was lost when they moved from a house. Huh? And now that I'm thinking, I think I know who took it. Uh, <laughs> too much ID network, amen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can that that can happen, amen. God can keep up with things that are important to you or show you uh, that He is a God of the lost and the found. He keeps up with everything, so it is a vital force to bring revelation to you. We can find what's missing through meditation. If there's something that you're desiring from God and you just can't get it to work for you, it's just not working, meditation is your best friend. See, You haven't really searched it out enough to get the answer, and if you stay with it, you'll get it. Amen? Quit complaining about how frustrated, angry, upset, and tired you are, and just go back and get the missing thing. There is a thing that's going to make this work. But see, when you're when you're when you don't have it, it's the biggest thing in the world to you, isn't it? And and then when you start meditating, you start thinking, well, what am I upset about? You come right back to where you originally start praying with God. God, you said you're going to, and I believe you, God. I stepped away from faith, faith and got over into frustration. Why? You meditated on the wrong thing. You start considering what's missing and how it's never going to come and how it is, this isn't going to happen and nobody's ever going to change and they're gonna, never going to straighten up and this is going to go on forever. And it's been going on way too long. Huh? That's your other friend. And so you have to divorce all of them. Amen. And start meditating on your friend. Amen. <clears throat> the word, once it's meditated on, it, it it, it it gets absorbed into our being. And it will be absorbed into the areas that need that need to be corrected. I know it'll be absorbed in areas that the word is called to correct. Areas that the word is called to correct, it'll get absorbed there. Like the tumor they say is growing in your body. You meditate, it will get absorbed into that tumor and correct it. And make it normal tissue. Amen. Cause it to disappear. 
if, if you have a, an organ that quit working properly, meditating on the word will cause that word to get absorbed into that organ. It'll start working right. Amen. The Bible says it is medicine to all our flesh. So that's how it happens. You just take it in your spirit and get it in your hearing and in your ears. And pretty soon your mind's converted and that's all you believe. See, until that time you were believing, trying to believe the word, but mostly believing your body. Now you want to believe only the word and not believe your body. So you have to be converted over. You've got to make a change, a permanent change. And once you get over in the word, stay there. Don't keep coming out, checking your body to see. Yeah. 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 Right. right. Quit it. Huh? Once you believe the word, you believe the word. So stop fiddling huh? in unbelief. Huh? Think of all the trouble we could be in if we were in the doctor's office every time we felt something. I was like that as a sinner, you know, because I thought that was being responsible. Until I found God. And I found out he's responsible. All I need to do is meditate on his responsibility. Amen. So meditation also produces answers as we explore the word. Jesus meditated. He prayed, but he also meditated. In Matthew chapter 15, if you'll turn there. Miss Tanya, how much time do I have, my dear? Hmm, Matthew chapter 15, did I say? Yeah, okay, 15. And verse... Uh, you know what, the King James had a better thing of that but it said Jesus left there and went along the sea of Galilee so he was walking along the seashore apparently meditating amen and and so you'll see these periods of time where Jesus would depart from them he they sometimes it would say he went in a solitary place to pray but then you'll see other times where he just departed and went his own way turn to John chapter 7 and see if that doesn't give us a better example John chapter 7. And verse. It is something. Hmm. Nope, that's not the one either. Did I say John? What did I mean? Like I said, John 8. I think I like that one better. We'll see. I think it's better. It's about the woman that was caught in the act. Is that what that is? Okay. Uh, verse 1. They all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts. Now, it, it, apparently, he went there to meditate often. Um, people would people who especially people who were close to God would find themselves out in a solitary place there to meditate and think on the things of God. It says at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. He sat down to teach them. 
the teachers of the law and Pharisees interrupted him and brought a woman in caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Now, in this departing from their questioning and so forth and so on, he took time out to meditate what he would answer. And remember, they said he began to write on the ground. So as he meditated, this was what he came up with. And so as he began to write on the ground, one by one, they began to leave. So his meditation made him wiser than his enemies. Got me? He never answered their question. Because to answer their question would have put him in some kind of a trap. So, Because he knew the law. He could have given them the answer readily. But he decided instead to meditate first and come up with the answer of wisdom. Now, a lot of people speculate what he wrote on the ground. Amen. We don't know, but they knew. And that answer came from what he wrote on that ground because it said one by one they began to leave. And finally, there was nobody there but Jesus and the woman. So whatever he did cleared every religious spirit out of there, every crazy devil out of there, every wiser than him devil out of there. It cleared the whole room out. So meditation can make you wiser than all your teachers because those men were teachers of the law. And so he proved out that Psalm 119. Amen. Meditation because he was subject to the Holy Spirit. And had to obey the Father. He was at their, at their, you know, depended upon them for everything that he did, for their answers too. Even though he was the Son of God, the Word made flesh, he laid all that down and made himself dependent upon God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And that's what they came up with. And so he says, those, and those who heard began to go away one at a time. Man, he be, he says, let anybody who is out without sin cast the first stone. So that really wasn't an answer to what they were asking. It was really a statement. And so he began to write on the ground. Many people think maybe he was listing the Ten Commandments. You know, what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do. And as they saw themselves there, they got convicted and began to walk off and leave. At the end, Jesus said, woman, where are your accusers? And he said, neither do I accuse you or condemn you. In other words, he came not to condemn but to save. And he told her to go and sin no more. Amen. And so it's not like he was letting her off the hook to go and do more. He forgave her and did not condemn her the way they wanted to. And so he begins to show mercy in this covenant that he's working under. He's still working under the old covenant, but introducing the new. And so he introduces mercy to somebody who is totally indicted of their sin, totally guilty of their sin, but they can be forgiven. Amen. So from the law, she's forgiven because he's fulfilling the law. 
So meditation produces answers as we explore the word. Jesus did that. He meditated to find answers. In Genesis 24, 63, you see Isaac. Genesis 24 and verse 63. Now Isaac had come from Beer, Beer Lahai Roy, for he was living in the Negev. He went out to a field one evening to meditate. And as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Now no doubt this was his normal routine. He went out to the field one night to meditate. And one night that meditation bore fruit because as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebecca also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, who is the man in this field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. So that was her husband that she met out in the field. When he went to meditate, that's what God revealed to him. Amen. So God will reveal things that are long longed for through meditation. Things that you have desires in your heart. You know, a lot of times when people are frustrated waiting, they don't want to think about it anymore. Uh huh. Because your frustration just seems to increase the more you think about it. The problem is you haven't really meditated that thing out. So that you're sold on the inside of you that God has it for you and it's coming. So why don't you meditate on it till it comes real to you? That's what Isaac did. He's out there thinking about his wife probably every night. And one night she showed up. And it wasn't no dirty dreams either. Uh, anybody can do that and go find them somebody. I don't care what y'all say. Where'd it go, Sheree? <laughs> it shot past you, didn't it? I don't care what y'all think. I know what I'm talking about. Oh, thank you, darling. <laughs> See how quick she did it? Thank you, darling. It, I'd have been still trying to get down there where it is. And I had to stop that. Huh? That's the problem, folks. It's not that God didn't tell you and didn't promise you and don't want you to have it and it's too late and all that. Is that you shut down your meditation when you need to. Just keep working it until it gets. That's like my mother used to make us. We used to, when I was a kid, uh, uh, a washing, a washer was a luxury. You had your hands. You had a rub board. You had these people still got them things in it, and they ain't playing them like instruments either. They washing clothes on them bad boys, huh? But if you had something that was stubborn, you just kept rubbing. She said, "You better keep rubbing that thing." She looked at you like you was crazy. You gonna put that over there with the clean ones? I don't think so. But that's what you need to do with your meditation. 
If it's making you angry and mad, just keep a rubbing. Keep meditating. It's going to come clean in a minute. Amen? It's going to come clean in a minute. And God will be able to incorporate that into your believing, your everyday believing system. So I believe Isaac meditated until she got so real she showed up. Amen? He was meditating on it probably before his father sent the servant to go and find her. Got it? Huh? You know, you got to believe the word, folks. It's cold in here. I don't care what you all think. Call me a liar if you want to. I don't care. But God's word is true. Man's ways are often based on emotion and impulse. That's why you quit believing God. You quit. When you stop expecting, you have stopped believing. Huh? When you go dead and flat on the inside, you have stopped believing. You've turned off the switch of faith, as Brother Hagin would say. Turn it back on. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. So part of meditation is speaking it to yourself and muttering it with the intent that you're building faith. You're not just doing it for no reason, just doing it because they say to do it. You're doing it with the intent that it increases your faith. Many times people make laws based on emotion and reaction. Like these people want to take folks' guns away, you know, because they've had another school shooting. Well, every time they have a school shooting, they threaten to take them away. Huh? It's the gun lobby. It's the this. It's the that. And so there, um, uh, it's a group of people, but some of my little Twitter friends, I found new Twitter friends. But anyway, I was kind of curious because every time I see uh, somebody who's speaking up for the Second Amendment, to, you know, the right to bear arms, they put this little phrase on there, Molon, M-O-L-O-N, La Bay, which means if you want it, come take it. And it's a bunch of them. You, you look that up anywhere and it's, a, it's growing. And it's like that is our last defense for our lives. And anybody who want it, you got to come take it. Amen. So I start putting that on my, I don't own that. Well, we got an old one in a case somewhere, but I don't even, even know how to shoot it. But I just put that on mine. <laughs> uh, anything that's a, a right of yours to defend your life, you, they better try and come and take it because I ain't going to get it any other way. But emotional reaction without meditation means that you will not get God's results. Amen. So you have to meditate day and night. Psalm 1 tells you the benefits of it. Amen. The word meditate also means to consider. It means to commune, to muse. If I did get this from you, God, this is what I'd do. You got me? It's not just fantasy, but you're musing in the word. You're, you're drawing out and adding detail to the picture of what you desire from God. You got me? Uh, while you meditating on your man to come in there, meditate on a the table set and you feeding him. 
and the maid, and you don't have ain't no cooking no maid. You go cook that food. And it don't come out a white bag with some yellow. <laughs> oh, baby, I just got the stuff with our initials on them. No. We ain't make nobody. You got me? We Smith, Jones, Brown. Huh? Except for Shannon, but don't you do that either. And Mick Meal. Right. <laughs> right. We ain't make nobody. Huh? But blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Sinner, scorning, all that negative stuff, as they say, your negative energy, you stay away from that. Amen? Somebody want to complain about marriage all the time? Stay away from them people. Huh? <laughs> stay away from me. <laughs> ah, I'm messing with you. <laughs> you just bless me as you walk by but <laughs> so his delight is in the law of the lord that's what you delight in even if it whips you upside your head every time you read it let that be your delight huh? and in his you will meditate on it day and night and this is the payoff you'll always prosper even in drought because you'll have a, a an unseen source of strength, sustenance, and refreshing of power. Water is, is symbolic of power. Amen? The power of the Holy Spirit. So you're parked right in, when you meditate on the word, you're plugged in to draw from the source of the Holy Spirit. Your life will always be clean, watered, and refreshed because of God's work in you, because you meditate in his law day and night. And you will be like a tree planted by rivers. So you will bear fruit in your season. Your season will not go by without you producing what God says you're supposed to have. You'll have an unending source of life and nourishment. And it will be on time. You won't run out of life. You won't run out of answers. Everything you do will prosper and not fail. But you need to know that wrong people aren't like that. They get a lot of failure. So your best bet is to stay away from them. Stay planted by people who are in life at all times. You got me? People who speak life. People who take life into them. People who stay away from death. Stay away from people who don't feed your spirit. Amen. Sometimes we like to just, you know, let our hair down and get around some carnal, crazy people. You can't afford to do that. This world is too hard. You haven't hit the hard stuff. If you got time to dilly around with carnal people, you ain't really engaged in nothing. Because me, myself, I don't have time for that kind of nonsense. I want, I want some more godly input. I wish somebody would be around me to want to feed me the word all the time. You understand what I'm saying? And so make sure that you're planted and you tap your roots into as much of the water of God as you possibly can. Amen. But meditation, I'm telling you, is it's, it's your key to whatever you want. You just keep, keep ruminating, agitating on that word. And you'll come up with the answers of God and success in everything. Amen. Father, thank you for your word and for understanding. And thank you for bringing us to a place only one meditation away from total peace.
in whatever it is you're seeking. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Yay.